Let's now turn. Let's now turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to read this on quite a bit. Verse 4 through 13. That sounds like a lot, and I guess it is. But it's kind of important. This gets used a lot in weddings. I know, because I'm one that does it. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 4 through 13, and if you could please stand to honor the reading of God's word and his love. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 13. Love, by the way, if you have a King James that says charity, it means love. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love flaunts not itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave itself improperly, seeks not its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but if there are prophecies, they shall fail. If there are tongues, they shall cease. And if there is knowledge, it shall vanish. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect comes, then that which is imperfect shall pass away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see as through a glass dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, even as I also am known. So now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. The greatest of these is love. This is not just talking about any kind of love, but one type in particular, which we're going to talk about. There are many types of love that we talk about. Every year, I mention it. I don't necessarily speak about it as being the talk at Valentine's Day, but I do always mention it. So let's talk about these four types. And this year, we're not just going to talk about those four types of love. Because there are a couple others, and I don't always mention them. This year, I've gone into a deeper study about types of love. And so there are seven this year we're going to talk about. Now, I combine a couple of them usually because I've gone into a deeper study to realize that some of them that I always talk about are a couple of them that I mix together, and some intentionally, some not. But this year, we're going to talk about all seven types, not just the four. So there are seven types of love, and let's talk about them. The first is storage love. It doesn't sound like a really great type of love. Usually we talk about that being parental love, but actually, the actual love is familiar love. In other words, family love. And only a parent can know parental love, but and unless you're a step-parent or sometimes uncles and aunts and others, grandparents and all have that parental love. But we all know stores family love. Some people don't know it with their family because some families have not been very, have much stored love towards them. But we should all have stores love towards those who are families or parental love. But then there's phileo love or phileo love, some say. Phileo love, this is all Greek, of course. You're like, I don't speak Greek. Well, you kind of do, you just don't know it. <laughs> but phileo love is friendly or affectionate, fondness towards one another. 
I oftentimes, and in this case, we will combine filial love and steward's love because we have friendly and family, familiar love towards one another, towards our family, towards our friends. And so we'll talk about that here in a little while. There's then ludus love. You might say, I never heard of ludus love. Well, you probably have and not known it. We usually call this playful butterfly uh, love, you know, getting the butterflies in your stomach, uh, uh, puppy love, we talk about it, you know, crush, having a crush on someone. I think we've all had that before. And they call it puppy love. We've all had that, haven't we? That playful beginning, the beginnings of love, you know. Then there's eros love. Eros love is romantic, passionate love. Why do we call it eros love? Because of a false god that they had back in the days of, of the Greek. And that was the name of that god was uh, Eros. He had arrows, that's where it came from, he, and he would shoot that little heart band. That's where the, the word Cupid comes from. Why? Because Cupid was the Roman name for that, that false god. Cupid was his name. And so, therefore, that's where he comes from. Now, he wasn't a fat little baby necessarily, but that was what they would call him. So, now you know, if you didn't know it before. And, then the next, and that's romantic, passionate love. The next type is pragma. That's where the word pragmatic comes from. And pragma means enduring love. That's kind of a mix of storage and philia love. This is more than romance. For instance, if you've been married and love someone for a long time, this is after that puppy love, that uh, ludus love, has kind of faded into romantic love. And then it's gone of not just puppy love. It's not just romantic love. It's where you are now enduring love. Because after you first fall in love, it has to be more than that. You're now more like family and friends. You see, these three are very important because this is why a lot of times the marriages don't last for a lot of people nowadays. They expect it to be brand new all the time, puppy love. They expect it to be like romance all the time. It's not always going to be Romeo and Juliet. And by the way, Romeo and Juliet both die. So you don't want it to be Romeo and Juliet forever. I mean, come on. <laughs> the truth be told, you need it to be pragma as well. Pragma love. We'll get into that here in a little bit. And then the sixth type of love, and this is very important. I gotta pronounce it right. I mean, look at the way I have it written here. I had to, I always have to write it out in a pronunciation way that I can understand and read it to you. It's falutia, falutia love. Falutia love. Falutia love is self-respect, self-compassionate love. That's compassion for self. Don't misunderstand this for selfishness love. We have enough of that going on nowadays. I love who I am. I'm above everyone else. No, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Felucia love is self-respect. Loving who God made you to be. Okay, self-respect. And then there's the most important love of all, agape love. This is also misunderstood a lot of times. We'll talk about that in a second. This is sacrificial, godly love that Christ has for us. And only, and this is the truth, even though a lot of people don't realize this, only a Christian can truly no agape love. This is the love of God. And that's the title of today's sermon. The love of God. Love of God. And it affects all types of love. Agape love is the most important love. I say it every year because it's true. It's true. Only a Christian could truly know God's love and feel God's love through us. This doesn't mean that agape love isn't for all people. We know that it is. Agape, God's love, is for all people. We know that. But only people who know Jesus Christ and know him personally within us can feel God's love through us and for all people. It affects all types of love. It truly does. And why is it so important? Well, it's important because the love of God, we need to have 
our love towards God first so that the love that we have for God will then not only be felt for him, but his love through us so that we'll have it towards our loved ones and towards our enemies and towards us. This is so very important. We have to have that because if we don't have that, then we're not going to have much love, if any, towards anybody else. Now, many times a lot of people think that, oh, I know agape love, because a lot of times the definition of God's love, agape love, is unconditional love. Well, that is true, it's unconditional, but it gets misrepresented, which means I have unconditional love towards my wife, or I have unconditional love towards my kids, or unconditional love towards my people around me, but just because you have unconditional love doesn't mean it's God's love. It, God's love is the kind he loves you despite the fact that you're a sinner. He loves you and died for you and will live through you despite the fact that you don't deserve it and you don't. You don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's love. Nobody deserves God's love. We were just talking this morning in Sunday school how all the kings, all the people, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not one of the kings, not one of the people were perfect. All of them messed up. Every single one. We were speaking about how Moses made a mistake. David made a mistake. All of them made mistakes. But God loved them enough to say, despite the fact that you deserve to go to hell, I love you, will live through you, and will show my love for you, through you, and to you. That's the beauty of God. That's the beauty of his love. And he can do the same for us and through us. So let's look at agape love, the love of God. The spiritual love, it overrules all other loves. It overrules our emotions. It overrules our feelings. It overrules our physical actions, if we'll let it. It's not talking about a defense. Excuse me, it's talking about a defense, not an offense. You know, the thing is, is a lot of times, God's agape love will be a defense against the offense that people bring to you. A lot of times people were talking about we need to offend, offend and let our agape love be an offense to the people of the world. No, it's to be a defense against the offensive people of the world. We can defend with agape love. Yes, sometimes our agape love will be offensive to the worldly. But now that we're supposed to try to offend, but we'll be offensive because people don't love God. They hate him, in fact. They hate Jesus Christ. But when you're loving, you're not trying to hurt them. You're trying to love them. I can't tell you how many times I've been loving to people and they hate me for it. But it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with he. He who lives within me and with you. And remember that. So let's now read Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 40. Listen what our Lord and Savior, the one who's living in you and loving you. Listen what he says here. It's so beautiful. Jesus says in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, Jesus said to him, you shall love. Now, this is important because this goes back to agape love, loving God first. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, write it down if you can't look it up fast enough, because I know I speak fast sometimes. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with what? All your mind. Yes, and you can do that when you're saved, especially. Definitely when you're saved. Not when you're not. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. Talking about not second commandment, but the second great commandment. Here we go. Verse 39. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We're to love God first and then our neighbor. By doing this, 
our whole loving life can live. Oh, it's important. The love of God. The love of God. Then it says in John 14, 15, and this goes right along with it, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we love God, if we love the Lord Jesus Christ, if we love the Lord, keep his commandments. Now, I'm saying this to say that it's by our actions we are known, as I say so very, 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 very often. Why do I say this? Because so many people say, well, I'm saved. We were talking earlier. I'm saved already. I don't have to live godly. Mm. If you love God, you'll want to live and let the Lord's love be seen in you. You know, I was married once, and the truth be told, not always did I behave as I should have. And the truth is, when you love someone, when you love someone, when you love someone, you're going to want to show loving actions to them. When you truly love the Lord, you're going to want to show the love of the Lord to him and to the people in your life. If you want to be a representation, let me just say this. If you are living and working for Coca-Cola products, you wouldn't want to walk around with a Pepsi sign on you. Am I right? I mean, what if you prefer Pepsi? Well, then what are you doing working for Coca-Cola? This is all I'm saying. The fact is, is if you live for the Lord God and you have a heart for the Lord God, what are you doing? Walking worldly. This is my point. This is my point. We are to have the heart of the Lord Jesus. My brother earlier was talking about David. David, they said he had the heart for the Lord God. He had a heart for God, and it showed so much so that he could have taken revenge several times. He could have taken revenge several times on people who were there and wanted to kill him, but he had a heart for God. He didn't want to take revenge because he had a heart of God, and he wouldn't do it. He had a heart for God. He wanted to be loving. He wanted to be kind. He wanted to show forgiveness. And God took care of it for it. He did. It says in Romans chapter 13, 8 through 10. Listen to this now. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, we know that Jesus fulfilled the law on the cross. But we're talking about living it. Living the best for the Lord. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. That means do not lie. You shall not covet and if there is any other commandments are summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love works no evil to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. The love of God takes care of all of it. When you love God, you want to live for God. Oh, I know we make mistakes, but this is not a this is not an excuse. This is not an excuse to not follow God through love. The love of God takes care of it all. Amen? Amen. We come to church on Sunday morning. And I know, because I've done it. I've done it when I was younger and not living for the Lord like I should. I come to church on Sunday morning. By Sunday afternoon, I'm saying inappropriate jokes with other people when I wasn't living for the Lord like I should. I was like, ha, 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 ho, 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 he, not living for, oh, well, God understands. Yeah, he understands you don't love him like you should. Yeah, but God forgives me. Yeah, he forgives you. That's not the point. If you love God first, you don't just give him a valentine on Valentine's Day. You don't just give him a Oh, well, it's all written on the card already. No, 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 no. You, you love him enough to write it upon your heart. Amen. You love him enough to write it upon your actions. The love of God. For the love of God, you'll do it all. Let's now turn to 1 John 4. 
7 through 21. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. And we'll, do, we'll go as fast as we can here. It says, Beloved, 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Beloved, let us not, excuse me, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. Remember, we're talking about agape love. Okay? Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. For love, for God is love. In this way, the love of God, remember the love of God, the love of God was revealed to us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we must also love one another. No one has seen God at any time. Remember that when people say Moses saw him, now he saw the back of him. He did not see his face. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. We know that we live, excuse me, we know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit now. And we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he and God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in God lives, excuse me, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. About agape love, about agape love. It, verse 17, in this way, God's love is perfected in us so that we may have, so that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear, that means being afraid. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears is not perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? We have this commandment from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Amen. We must love all people, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't have to love what they say. We don't have to love what they do. But we're to love them. A lot, a lot of times say, my dad just says to me all the time, son, you don't have to like them. You don't have to like what they say. You don't have to like what they do, but you do have to love them. I said, dad, I don't want to love them. I know you don't. He said, that's your emotion speaking. I get it. I would talk about different people, sometimes people on the news or whatever. Dad say, son, I know. I don't like them either sometimes. I say, certainly don't like what they say or do sometimes. But you do have to love them. He said, you know why? I said, why? He goes, because you do dumb things too sometimes. But God loves you. He goes, and I love you. And he'd always do that. He'd always end it with, and I love you. Even when you make me mad. He goes, and you do. He goes, but I love you. And he goes, just like I make you mad. And I know you, I do. 
He says, but you love me, don't you? I said, I love you with all my heart. And he goes, and, and rightly so. He goes, just like I love you with all my heart. And you know what, folks? You're God's child, just like I was Craig Coots' child and him. And my father God loves me. And I don't deserve it. He loves my beautiful bald head with a big old bump. And he loves me. He loves you. It doesn't matter what we look like. It matters what's inside. And you know what's inside me? The loving son of, G of God, Jesus Christ, just like you. That agape love, God loves us. It says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's agape love. <laughs> it's not our emotional. It's not our physical. It's the spiritual love of God. Hallelujah. And we now look at Eros love, romantic love. That's what we think about this time of year. But you know what? You know what? When we have the agape love, it guides our Eros love, our romantic love. No matter what they do to us, right or wrong, we can continue to love them no matter what. It's good. I'm so proud of you all. You who have romantic love in this world, I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. Maybe a little jealous. Not really, though. You know why? I'm not jealous of anybody, but I'm happy for you. If I ever find someone again, good. If I don't, good. You know why? God's love is so good. It's so good. It's so big, and it's good enough for me. And no matter what occurs, I'm going to be okay. Eros love, romantic love. And with that, you have Ludus love, playful, butterfly crushes. It's all good. It all good. And in that, in time will become pragma love, that family friendly love. It's all important. But without agape love, it's not perfect. You have to have all those loves together. It all has to be together. You know, I often say, I often say, even though I don't use the word ludus love or pragma love, I always say when I'm doing a marriage that if you don't have the love, the eros love, with the agape love, the wedding. The marriage is not perfect. You have to have it all. Don't take half and half. This is not a cup of coffee. You have to have it all. Because that's what leads us and guides us. It says in Colossians 3.14. Colossians 3.14. And above all these things embrace love, which is the bond of perfection. God's love is the bond of perfection. It bonds the husband and wife. God wants us to be what? Equally yoked, and we're going to talk about that. Now, I don't know if I have time. Maybe I do, and I'll get to it in a minute. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. It talks about Christ being the example. In fact, we'll take it here. We'll, we'll take it here. i got to hurry a little. My, my hand is doing this little tricks, but I'll try. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. I'm giving you a heads up in case something happens. You'll understand. Book of Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Says, Wives, be submissive to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, if you just read that by itself, you said, Boy, that's sexist. Boy, that's mean. That's old school. Well, you can't get older school than God. 
But God is not saying that women be submissive. Go get their coffee. Go get their dinner now. You can do that if you want, but that's not what it's saying. It's not what it's saying. It says, for the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the Savior of the church. Now, there's some truth to that, but it's not saying that the man is in charge of you, you slave. Go, go, go. Whip, whip, whip. It's not saying that at all. This is misunderstood. It's misunderstood. People do this all the time because usually it's the newer fashion of Christians who want to understand this. And I won't get into all that right now, except to say they misunderstand it sometimes on purpose so that they can make their statement. No, let's go on and see what it says. But as the church submits to Christ, so also they'll let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, here we go now. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for, uh, for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Oh. Now, does that mean the man is supposed to get up on the cross and die? No, we're not being, we're not being uh, literal here. But what it is saying is that the man is to lead the house to follow Jesus. Jesus is to be the Jesus of the house. Jesus is to lead the house. It's saying that men are to lead the woman and the family as they together are to follow Jesus. Together to follow Jesus. Man, don't be a bum. Women, don't be uh, a loud. Men, don't be loud to the woman. Women, don't be loud to the man. Together, be submissive to Christ. This is being figurative for the church, but it's also being truthful that we are to follow Christ. We'll go on from there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, and he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. In this way, men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord cares for the church. I've had people, we'll go back to verse 30 in a minute. I've had people say, but what about those who commit suicide? Well, I'm not trying to pick on anyone here for that, except that they're not well. They, they're emotionally and mentally not well at that moment. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people who are spiritually and mentally and emotionally well. Going on from there, for we are members of his own, of, excuse me, we are members of his body, of, talking about Jesus, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. The two shall be one flesh. We're talking physically in that sense. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let his wife see that she respects her husband. And that ends there. Let her respect, see and respect her husband. Okay. The husband and the wife are to be one, to be one, to be one as they follow the Lord God. We are, this is an example of Christ. Ooh, i got to stop for a second. We are not to be unequally yoked, as it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked, it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Men, if you see a girl you like, and I've had some who try to talk to me online sometimes, and they're lost because the moment they say they don't know the Lord, and I say, uh, 
I say, I know I'm about the most handsome man of everybody. I'm joking, incidentally. I know that's not true. The point is, is I will not speak to anyone who doesn't know the Lord. And I'm not going to speak to anyone I don't know. But secondly, I am a man of Christ. I'm a, I'm a believer. And the fact of the matter is, I am a man of God. I'm a man of God. I'm an old-fashioned man of God. It, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Just because a girl may be attractive, and by the way, they're not all attractive. But I mean this because they may be physically pretty. And I say pretty. They may be uh, being physically pretty, but the moment they start talking worldly, oh, all physical prettiness went out the window. Because the fact of the matter is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if you're not serving the Lord, you're not pretty to me. They start talking worldly and that, oh boy, that takes away all prettiness. Oh, because pretty is as pretty does. Pretty is as pretty does. As for me and my house, we'll be equally yoked. I've been in unequally yoked relationships. I don't want them again. No, it doesn't work. You have to be equally yoked. What does it mean? You talk about eating eggs? No, I'm talking about the yoke that God talks about the oxen. We have to be equally yoked. We're to walk together following Christ as he leads us. That's what it needs to be. And what are we talking about? Once again, the love of God. That has to be the love. That has to be the love, the love of God that overdoes any other love. Oh, but wait a minute. Don't you want Eros love? Of course I want Eros love. But if agape love isn't leading your romantic love, then that romantic love is outdoing your godly love. And that means the woman, or man if you're a woman, is overdoing your love for God. That means that woman or man is now becoming your God. And we cannot have that. We can't have that. Moving on up. What does it say? It says, and above, this is uh, Colossians 3.14. And above all, we already said this, I'm sorry. Now we're talking about um, Proverbs 31.10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her worth? is far more than rubies. Now I'm looking for a virtuous woman, if that be God's will. If that be God's will. If not, I don't worry too much about it. Why? Because I serve a virtuous God. And if you're looking for a virtuous man, first serve a virtuous God and all that other stuff is nothing but want. But we only need to have what we need. Amen? Amen. And if you have a virtuous woman or a virtuous man, praise the Lord for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will take care of it. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 11, we're not going to read it right now. We don't have time. It talks about husband and wife's bodies belonging to the spouse. And it does. It talks about husbands and their marriage. It talks about not having sex out of marriage. It talks about we belong to our spouse and that we together belong to God. And you know what? One of the reasons why so many marriages falter and fall to the wayside is because we're not giving ourselves over to the Lord. Too many people believe, I belong to me. I, no, you don't belong to you. You belong to your spouse. You belong to God. And too many people are having sex before marriage, and that's a failure. They're putting their emotions before the spiritual. Spiritual love is first. Agape love. Then we talked about Eros love. Time to move on now to filial love. But before we talk about filial love, let's talk about storage love. Because, folks, I know a lot of people tell you different. Family is to come before friends. And that's true. Some friends will come and go. Now, some friends stay for life. Thank God for that. And they're like family. But family will be with you forever. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> right? And by the way, I think of you all as family, not just friends. You're my family in Christ. That's the agape love. That's the storage love. That's the love. 
I love you. We're, you're all under the umbrella of agape. If I could, I'd buy an umbrella that says agape, and I'd carry it above you all the time. I would. I would. Listen to what it says in John 15, 13. And this is important. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Amen. And I would, incidentally. Jesus did. We're his friends. We're his family. We're the ones he died for. Hallelujah. Now, we already talked about loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul. We know that. Remember what it says in John 13, 34 through 35. In John 13, 34 through 35, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I loved you. You must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love, if you have love for one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another, that your joy may be full. This is important. You know, the next one is to love your enemies too. Oh, this is hard. There's time that people irk you. They irk you all the time. They say horrible things to you. And sometimes, I, I this is where I've been foolish. Throughout my life, I've had people I love, and they didn't love me in return. Hurts my emotions. I made myself to be a fool for it. I made myself to be a punching bag. But I'm going to keep loving because God tells you to love all people. Yeah. But he also says to turn the other cheek. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you make yourself out to be a punching bag. Do you all remember? And you guys may be too, uh, pardon me, old for this. But they, uh, but when I was a kid, they make these punching bags. Sometimes they put Rocky on it. Sometimes He-Man. Other characters. Bozo the Clown had one. And they'd have to where you punch it. Now, why would you want to punch someone you like? But they'd have you punch and it'd come back up. It'd have sand on the bottom. They'd be plastic. They'd come back up again. Sometimes I felt like I put my own picture on that for friends, or at least I thought they were my friends. And they'd punch you. I'd come back up again. Don't worry. I love you still. Boom. Punch again. Come back up again. Here's the thing. Yes, guy says turn the other cheek. He doesn't mean stay there. You're not supposed to keep doing that. Keep back up again. You're not supposed to do that. God doesn't mean just let him keep beating you, beating you, beating you. No. Turn the other cheek. Don't don't seek revenge is what it means. But it doesn't mean just keep taking it again and again and again. Keep loving them, but walk on. I'm not going to sit there and let you punch me in the face. Not this pretty one. <laughs> no, the fact of the matter is is because the next the reason why I say that is there's another there's another type of love which we're going to get to in a second. Remember what it says in Matthew 5, 43 through 44. It says this. You have heard, this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 5, 43-44. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now that's Old Testament. And he was saying this to the Pharisees and others. But verse 44 says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So again, be good to them. Pray for them. It doesn't mean Keep taking it again and again and again and keep letting them. But pray for them. And I do. I still love those people. I love them. I love everyone. Why? Do I eros them? No. Do I storge them? No. Do I phileo them? Not necessarily. I don't. That, but you see, to love your enemies means that you agape them. I couldn't do it unless I was a Christian because it's not me. It's not me. It's the Lord Jesus through me. That's the only reason why I can do it. 
It says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Oh, remember this now. As we, it is our scripture tonight. Your every action, this is 1 Corinthians 16, 14, your every action must be done with love. That's hard sometimes. Oh, that's hard. Your every action must be done with love. 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all things, have unfailing love for one another. Because love covers what? A multitude of sins. A multitude of sins. And that's hard. I have fallen for the trap before, for people who've done me terrible wrong, as I said before, to be that punching bag. And that's not what Jesus wants you to do. I eventually had to walk away, or as a punching bag would do with the sandpaper, the sand in the bottom, hop away. <laughs> but in this case, I had to learn there was a great difference between being a punching bag and just being loving, nonetheless. But that being said, I still love the people. But I'm not going to be a target. Because how can you continue to go on and love everyone else if you are a bad representation for Jesus? You can't. God doesn't want you to be Satan's target constantly and stay in Satan's realm. No. Walk away. He did the same to the disciples. Dust off your feet and show God's love to all people. But God demonstrates, this is Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ, what? Died for us. He died for us. Now I want to go to the last love that we're going to talk about. And this is important, very important, because it's, it's hard for me. And this is Falutia love. Falutia love. Falutia love is hard for me to pronounce. Falotia love is one that I didn't use for years. I didn't love myself for a very long time. I do now. I love who I am, but not because of me, but because of Jesus who's in me. And he's shown me that he made me. It took me a long time to see that. But it took me a very long time to see that he made me because all I could see was my faults. Well, don't fall for that trap either. Yes, you have faults. Yes, you make mistakes. Yes, some of us think our noses aren't perfect. Some of us think that we don't have enough hair. Some of us think that our eyes aren't great or our faces aren't wonderful or whatever. This is not an excuse to just eat all we want to eat and all that junk and do what we want to do and be junky and all that. No, that's not an excuse. At the same time, God did make who we are. God is perfect. He loves us. Does that mean that we're perfect? No. It does, however, mean that God made us and that we need to love who God made. Amen? Love his work and let God be seen through us. And if we're beating ourselves up all the time, once again, back to that beautiful little punching bag. We can't do that. We can't be beating ourselves up. No, we have to have uh, falutia love. That means love and have self-respect uh, and self-compassion, self-love, healthy self-love. Because there's also such a thing as selfishness and pridefulness, and we can't do that either. Because once we get into pridefulness, we start getting to what the, the um, uh, Pharisees had. They were very prideful. Look how great I am. And that's the way a lot of people are nowadays. We can't do that either. So I said earlier at Christmas time, we're to have joy, J-O-Y, joy. That is Jesus, others, and you. We're not to have yoj. Yoj is you, others, and Jesus. We can't do that. Because if you have yoj, or yoj, however you want to say it, if you have that, then that's going backwards and that's confusing. I don't know what yoj is except that you, others, Jesus, and that doesn't work. You're to have Joy, Jesus, others, you. You're to have the love, uh, the falutia, falutia love, and that is to have self-respect. And that's good. God wants you to have self-respect, but don't put yourself before the Lord ever. 
Because people preach it in false churches all the time that you're to love yourself before the Lord. God made me perfect. They misquote scriptures all the time. I am perfectly, wonderfully made. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that God made us perfect. That God is the perfect maker. We're not the perfect made, but God is the perfect maker. God is perfect, not us. Uh, if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. And no, we're not small G gods. No, 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 no. That's not that. That's that's so false. And also, dare I say, that is a horrible uh, hypocrisy. That's a horrible teaching. No, no. Let's not read Luke 6, 31. Do unto others. You'd have others do unto you. Treat people wonderfully. Treat them wonderful and loving because that's how God wants you to treat others. And he wants you to treat yourself the same way. You need to be treated well. And you need to treat others well. Romans 12, 9 through 10. Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. I like that. Show love to one another. Outdo each other with love. Outdo one another with that. That's a wonderful way. I like that. I'm going to outdo y'all with love. I'd like to see how I can see if I can show more love than you. Because that's not a that's the good kind of competition, isn't it? See if we can outdo each other with love. And then, I like this. 1 Corinthians 6.20 You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and with spirit, which are God's. We're to glorify God in our body. A lot of people think, because God loves us, we can take our body and do whatever we want because it's my body. No, it's not. Your body belongs to Christ. You belong to Christ. You belong to Christ. Now, if you want to tattoo, tattoo your body and do whatever you want to with it, that's between you and the Lord. But I will say this. You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to yourself. And this is not a sermon. It's not about tattoos and such. But I do want to remind the worldly world and even the worldly churches. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And if you're going to put vile, filthy, pictures and other things all over yourself and say, but God still loves me. That's not the point. He loves murderers too. He loves atheists too. So we're to represent Jesus and show his love to others. How can you do that when you're saying vile things all over you and looking like all sorts of things? Anyway, going on from there, Philippians 2.3. Philippians 2.3. Let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, but in humility, let each esteem the other better than himself. We're to love ourselves, but we're to show love towards others more than ourselves. More than ourselves. So I always put it this way. And this is how you know you're living right for God. The love of God goes to this in this order, biblically. God, that means the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Your spouse, your family, your friends, others. That means acquaintances and such, people you see every day. The people in your neighborhood, you know. Then your enemies, not including Satan, not including those demons. No, not talking about them. We're talking about the people who consider you an enemy. I don't consider anyone my enemy, except for Satan, and so we're not counting them. And then, so let me do it again. God, the spouse, the family, the friends, others, the enemies, and then self. That's how we're supposed to do it. And then to close, remember, have the love of God in your life. If you have the love of God, that agape love, that love of God, where we put our love for God first, and then the love of God through us, that love of God will determine, will evaluate, will guide your love for your spouse, 
toward your family and friends, toward your enemy, and toward yourself. That's how it has to be. That's how it's got to be. Or you will be lost every which way you try to love. And it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 16, 14, once again, that all that you do be done with love. God's love is so big, it could take care of everything in your life. I promise it. Let's bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, which we can speak about your love. We know you love us, though not a one of us deserve it. And Lord God, you've given it to us. When you were on the cross, you had your arms open wide. Big enough to hug the whole world if we would just accept it. Lord God, when you died and were put into the grave, you were opened the grave with your arms opened wide again to show us that you didn't just die for us, but you rose again so that you could live in all of our hearts. That our hearts, Lord, have you in it when we ask you in. I pray for those who do not know you, that they'll come to know you and you will live for us and through us and that we'll feel your love in us. I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.